Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Hallelujah. You can follow along with me in my notes today in the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to more in the events section. You'll see my notes for today. New year, new you. God wants you well. You can also find my notes in our Faith Plus app, the third link on the first page. Greetings to everybody watching us via Faith Plus. Greetings to everybody watching us on Facebook Live and via Periscope and YouTube. Share the link, retweet, start a watch party so other people can watch along with you. We know God's going to do great things in this building today, but I believe God can do great things wherever you're watching, whether you're at home, at work, or someplace far away. God can do great things in your life today. Hallelujah. So we know today is Miracle Sunday, and we're in such expectation of miracles, we actually have a camera crew set up outside that went after God has already done a work in your body, and you can already tell a change. We want you to give a testimony outside to encourage everybody else's faith, amen? So they'll be set up outside the building when you leave today, and you can give your testimony about what God is doing in your life, amen? One of the things we're doing next Sunday, one of the things we talked about before the new year is setting our goals, setting our plans, and giving you a few weeks to spend in prayer, and that you know exactly where you can go in 2020, what you believe God wants you to do. And next week, we're going to pray over goals and plans next year and set our faith with yours that what you're believing for happens in 2020. Amen? So make sure you write it down and you bring it with you next Sunday, and we'll do that at both experiences. So let's start in Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to the messages on the Faith Plus app, as well as on YouTube, as well as on Facebook Live. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about that last week. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one of the things we covered last week, if you don't renew your mind, you won't know what the will of God is. We said that word renew means to renovate. When you renovate something, you take out the old and you put in the new. One of the things we spent time on last week is saying the way we renovate our minds is with the Word of God. Because Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through your truth. Your Word is truth. So there is an absolute standard in a day of relativism. There is an absolute standard, an absolute version of truth when everybody says my truth, your truth. There is an absolute truth, and it is the Word of God. And so what we have to do right now at the very top of this message, we have to let the Word be the standard for absolute truth where healing is concerned. That what the Word says about healing is true. The word, what the Word says about healing is greater than what we've experienced. What the Word says about healing is better than what we've seen or what we've heard. So you have to let what the Word says define what you believe today. So he says, well, you know, I knew somebody who once prayed to get healed, and it didn't happen like we thought it would. No, you're letting your experience be your judge. You have to let 
What does God say in his word? Because Jesus said God's word is truth. And if this is true, let God be true and every man be a liar. And so we have to let the word of God have the final say-so where healing and divine health is concerned. Amen? We looked at another scripture last week called Isaiah, Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11. It says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. Say his word. That goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now go with me to Romans chapter 1. The word of God will not return to him void. It will accomplish the purpose and the reason why he sent it. So the word God sends to you today, it will accomplish what he sent it to accomplish. It will not return to him void. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Say power. Unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith is not a moment. Faith is not just a movement. Faith is a lifestyle. And so saying the just should have the lifestyle of faith. But something I want to point, you out, point out a few definitions before we move forward. The word power means miraculous force. Miraculous power the ability to do miracles. So the dynamic power of God is what it's talking about. But this word salvation, when we hear it, we think about being saved from our sins, and we should think of that. But this word salvation is not just being saved from our sins. This word for salvation also means deliverance, preservation, safety, and health. And we know the word gospel means good news. So the good news about Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing is the power of God. So let me read it to you this way. The gospel of Christ, the good news about Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing, the word of God is the miraculous power of God to salvation, deliverance, preservation, safety, and health. So the good news we're going to tell you today about Jesus and his anointing, the word of God we're going to share with you today is the power of God for your healing and for your health. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So when we look at that passage, what healed and delivered the people? The word of God. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You know, as a graduate of Oral Roberts University, one of the first classes I took as a freshman was Charismatic Life and Healing, taught by Dr. Richard Roberts. And I remember how he would, you know, it was an honor to be in his class for nine weeks, seeing him teach and preach and flow in the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing. But I remember one of the things they highlighted on this verse, God sent his word and healed them. And I remembered a test question, because we had quizzes and tests in that class. And it was like an all-the-above answer, and it says, what is, a, what is a method that God can send the Word and heal you? It says spoken, text, reading, all the above. The answer was all the above. 
And so I remember a number of years ago when I was a youth pastor in Austin. And so I was hanging out with the teenagers. We were going out to pick up some food and going back to do some work at the church. And I was talking to one of my really close friends. And, you know, he was having some type of digestive issue, something that was going on with his stomach, and he was feeling really sick. And I was prompted in my spirit just to say over the phone, be healed in the name of Jesus. But, you know, when you have a lot of teenagers around you, you're making sure they do what they're supposed to do. You know, you got the 12-year-old and the 14-year-old and the 15-year-old. You know, you're managing stuff. And so I forgot to say it. And so I got off the phone, you know, we go to what we're doing, and a couple days later, I'm thinking, I forgot to pray for my friend. So I called him, said, hey, man, how you feeling? He said, oh, man, it's still feeling bad. He's talking about all the other stuff that was going on. And so I said, I was supposed to say this a couple days ago. I'm sorry, man, but be healed in the name of Jesus. And he says, dude, I got to go. I was like, oh, okay. So he called me later. He says, man, as soon as you said that, I had to run to the bathroom. (laughs) But after I came out, I was completely whole. The word went over the phone and healed him. God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. That word destruction means pit. So you can find yourself in a pit in your life. The word of God can take you out of the pit. So, well, does that sound familiar? God took Joseph from the pit and out of the prison and took him to the palace. So it doesn't matter what pit you find yourself in your life. The word of God can take you out and take you to the palace. Let's look at Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So the word healed and delivered them. So let's look at a few things that happens when the word goes forth. Let's look at some things that are happening right now as the word is going forth in this room as well as all around the world. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the word goes forth, faith comes to the hearts of those who hear and receive it. So you don't say, oh, how do I build my faith? Just listen today. And as you hear this word today, faith is coming to your heart for multiple things before the specific purpose of being healed and walking in divine health. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. What else happens when the word goes forth? Proverbs chapter 4. Faith, which is defined as belief, being fully persuaded, confident assurance, gives you the ability to access the miraculous power that's inside the word of God. Your faith can lay hold of the power that's in the Word and make it manifest in your body. Someone's elbow's being healed right now. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my what? Incline thy ear into my what? Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. That word health means medicine and healing. That word health means medicine and healing. So when the word goes forth, it is like medicine for people's bodies. When the word goes forth, it's like healing for people's bodies. We're not just talking about what happens in your spirit when faith comes. We're not just talking about how the word goes forth, renew your mind, that's part of your soul. But when the word goes forth, it's ministering healing and health and medicine to your body right now. Go to Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Let's look at something else that happens when the word goes forth. Mark chapter 11, a familiar passage to a number of us. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, he being Jesus, 
And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, which is an interesting phrase, Jesus answered the tree. No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever, and the disciples heard it. You know, they're thinking, Jesus is talking to trees now. He's like, he's carrying on a conversation. Like, you know, Peter's thinking, man, maybe I need to pray for Jesus more. What is going on here? Now, one of the things I want you to realize is remember Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. So what he was saying to the fig tree was the word of God, right? And so skip down a few verses. And it says, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So when Jesus spoke the word of God to the fig tree, nothing happened that they could see. Because if it happened to me, the disciples would have said, oh, that's why he talked to the tree. They just saw it, and they kept on moving. And Jesus went into the temple and went out, and they came by the next day, and they saw within 24 hours the fig tree had dried up from the roots. So what did the Word of God do? The Word went to the root of the situation, not the fruit of the situation. So sometimes people have symptoms of sickness and disease in their body, but that's not the root. That's just the fruit. And so when the Word goes forth, it deals with the root of the issue. Some of you might have different roots that are causing what is going on in your body. Some of it can be simply unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness will keep you from receiving from God. That's why I always have you say, I forgive everybody of everything. Unforgiveness will keep you from receiving from the power of God. And so as the word is going forth, the Holy Spirit will bring up things in your mind about things you should let go. Don't ignore and say, oh, I don't know why I'm thinking about that. That might be a person you need to forgive. So you just say under your breath, I forgive them. I let it go. Some of you need to have a Disney Frozen moment and let it go. <laughs> there are other things that may go on in life. There might be certain things you did to your body to cause what's going on. Some it could be a result of certain addictions or habits you've had. Others could be, you know, God told you not to eat all that, and you've been eating all that for years. And you produce what's going on in your body. And as I'm preaching, you're going to be reminded of that. Don't feel guilty. Just say, God, forgive me. I repent. I make a decision not to do that anymore. And so as the word is going forth, the Holy Spirit may remind you of some things he's told you that you did to open the door. But as the word is going forth, you make a decision, I repent, I change my mind, I forgive that person, I let that go. Because what is the word doing? Dealing with the root so it can handle the fruit. And he said, well, what if it's just an attack of the enemy or a spirit of infirmity? They hate this word that I'm speaking right now, and it's dealing with them right now. So you do your part, and let the Holy Ghost and his angels do their part. So the word goes and deals with the root which will also affect the fruit, which is the symptoms of sickness and disease. So let's look at some word today. Let's look at the good news about Jesus. Because one of the things you understand about healing, it's in the Old Covenant or Old Testament, as was in the New Covenant in the New Testament. This is not a new thing. This is in God's plan from the very beginning. So go to with me to Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. It 
You know, God can call himself whatever he wants to call himself. But you take notice what he calls himself because that reveals his character. It reveals who he is. And God said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do what is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. See, this is first passage. There's a theme. Hear and obey. Hear and obey. So what are you doing today? You're hearing and then you're making decisions to obey what God has said. God says, if you do that, he says, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I brought upon the Egyptians. Now people are like, well, what diseases did he brought upon the Egyptians? See, God makes people sick. No. Context is king. They just walked out of Egypt. What happened? The plagues. Remember, they refused to let the Israelites go. And so God said, fine, until you let them go, this is going to happen. So it's not the sickness and disease that you think about. It's not diabetes and cancer and all these issues that people said, God gave this to me to teach me something. If that was true, wouldn't you learn quick? And if you go to the doctor, the hospital to deal with it, then you are a fraud and a hypocrite. If you really believe God gave it to you to teach you something, you wouldn't go to a doctor, right? So let that religious foolishness out of your mind. God did not give it to you to teach you something. Oh, this is my cross to bear. You're not supposed to carry sickness and disease. That's not your cross either. Your cross is walking in love with people who are unlovely. It is walking in love with people you rather tell them they're number one. That's the cross you're called to bear, not sickness and disease. So he's telling them the plagues you saw in Egypt won't happen to you. Why? For I am the Lord that heals you. That word in the Hebrew is Jehovah Rapha. So God identifies them. I am the Lord that heals you. It's also translated, I am the Lord, your physician. I am your doctor. And see, the things we notice is that they, it says, if you hear and obey, you'll be healed. Right? And that's not just an Old Testament concept. In the ministry of Jesus, remember talking about the good news about Jesus? Luke 5.15, it says, But so much the more went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Luke 6, 17 says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So we see the concept, come to hear and be healed in the Old Testament as well as in the New. What did you come today? You came to hear the word of God and to be healed of your diseases. So that means you're in the same category to me, God, your doctor, God, the physician, Jehovah Rapha, who heals you. Say, my God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me, my God, my physician. Let's go to Exodus chapter 23, verse 23. It says, for my angels shall go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I'll cut them off, but you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do, work, nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and water. Notice as God's talking, because the next says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So who's the he's talking about? The angel. 
He said, I'll send angels to bless your bread and water. I'll send angels to bless the food that you eat. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing cast your young nor be barren in your land. The numbers of your days I will fulfill. Deuteronomy 7.15, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Wait a minute. How much sickness? All. Now, well, did that happen in Jesus? In Jesus' ministry, we see it reiterated. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When the even was come, they brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his what? Word. And healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. We see it in the Old Testament. God wants to take all your sickness away from you. And then Jesus came to fulfill it. He took it. If he took it, you don't have to have it. If Jesus carried it, what, you have no business carrying it. So let's say you're moving into a house and you have a friend who can lift that couch all by themselves. Why are you trying to help? Go do something useful. Order pizza. Get them a glass of water. Get them a bottle of water. Let them move it by themselves. You're not supposed to carry what Jesus already carried for you. This is the good news about Jesus. He carried your sicknesses. He carried your diseases. He took them so you don't have to have them. So Matthew 8 is quoting Isaiah 53. So go, let's go look at that. Isaiah chapter 53. The good news about Jesus is the power of God unto salvation, deliverance, preservation, and health. God wants you well. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word griefs means sickness, disease, sadness, affliction. And I just found this definition yesterday, anxiety. He bore your sickness, your disease, your sadness, your affliction, and your anxiety. Remember, if Jesus carried it, you don't have to carry it. So I believe there'll be people today free from anxiety. You might have been anxious all your life, but not, not anymore. Because the word has gone forth to set you free from your anxiety. And carried our sorrows. This word sorrows means pain, both physical and mental. So, you know, people talk about mental health today. It's good. They should take care of their minds and be mentally healthy. But Jesus paid the price for you to be healthy in your body and your mind. That's the good news about Jesus. You can have health in your body as well as in your soul, in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. When Peter, Isaiah is prophesying about it 700 years before it happened. And he says, we're healed because of what he's going to do. Then when Peter looks back on it about 30 to 60 years later after it happens, he says, by his stripes, we were healed. So it's a done deal. So if it was a done deal 30 or 60 years after Jesus did it, how many know almost 2,000 years later, it's still a done deal? That's the good news about Jesus. You see, Isaiah 50, verse 6, prophesying about Jesus, said, I gave my back to the smiters, 
and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Matthew 27, 26 is part of this fulfillment of this. It says, Then Pilate released Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. What is the scourging? Where they took the cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had nine lashes on it, and every lash had glass and rocks and pieces of metal and sharp, jagged edges, and every time they hit Jesus was one. They did it 39 times because 40 times was a death sentence. And Jesus said, I gave my back to that. They didn't do it to me, and I didn't know what was going on. I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my back to the cat of nine tails. I gave my back to those 39 lashes that yanked out my flesh. Why? So you could be healed. So how dare we say God wants us sick when Jesus gave his back for that? The good news about Jesus is the power of God to your health. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Some of you may be new and say, man, that's a lot of scriptures I believe in the word. I believe this book, whether it's in a physical form or I put it on my iPad or my iPhone, I believe the Word of God. And the Word of God is the absolute standard of how we believe and how we live. So some people are familiar with Deuteronomy 28 and the first 12 verses when it talks about the blessing. But there's another part of Deuteronomy 28 that a lot of people don't like because it talks about the curse. The blessing is the empowerment to prosper, while the curse is the empowerment to fail. And it takes over 40 verses listing what the curse is. And so it says in verse 15, But it shall come to pass if you are not listening to the voice, you are not hearkening and obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day, that these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So remember, it's part of the covenant. They know if we obey God, we get blessed. If we don't, we get cursed. And what is the curse? It's the opening of door for all the type of destruction. And it lists things here. You might say, well, is, you know, is sickness or disease bad or is it a blessing? <laughs> well, pastor, you know, you know, I, I got real sick once and I got closer to God. You could have got closer to God without being sick. You... You know, people, well, God gave me this to teach me something. God does not have to use Satan's tools to teach you. Satan is not the teacher of the church. The Holy Ghost is the teacher of the church. He does not have to give you cancer to teach you something. He doesn't have any cancer to give you in the first place. But notice what it says in verse 61. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon you until you be destroyed. See, Pastor, the Lord's going to bring— No, 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 before you just jump off and say how much you don't know. One of the ways—there's two different ways you can translate this scripture. Allow. You might say, well, why are there so much evil in the world? Why does God allow it? Why do you allow it? I believe it was a, a Ruth— Graham, who said it this way, someone asked her, why is there so much evil in the world? And she or another philosopher said, well, with all the soap in the world, why is there so many dirty people? 
Because if you don't apply the soap, you're still going to be dirty. There are places filled with soap, warehouses filled with soap. But there's still a lot of dirty people. And so there are a lot of things that are allowed because people allowed them. So that's part of it. But also when you understand scriptural judgment, that one of the things it says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. A form of death is sickness and disease. And so you know if someone lives a lifestyle of sin, there are manifestations of death coming their way. What is the judgment? You did this, and this is the result. What's another word for judgment? Harvest. What's another way to think about this? Cause and effect. And so the thing is, some people, God specifically didn't know. God set the rules. God is the judge, and he said, if you do this, this will happen to you. And so when you look at it, the Lord will cause this, and I'm saying God is going to do it to you. It's the word that God has spoken, said this will be allowed in your life, and this is the judgment for living this way, living this lifestyle, pursuing this path. So it's not saying God personally puts it on you. No, that's not what the Hebrew is saying. It's saying this what comes in your life. But this is under the curse of the law. All sickness, every disease known to man, Back then, known to man now, and things we don't even know, since if it's not written in this book of law, it's included. And that should be good news to you. You're like, Pastor, why should I think it's good news for the curse of the law to include every sickness, every disease, known to man, not known to man, things people invent? Why is that good news that is under the curse of the law? Go to Galatians chapter 3. So the worst sickness, the worst disease, everything you could imagine about sickness and disease and pain and infirmity, from the low end of the spectrum to the most extreme, is included in the curse of the law. It's included in those who do not live holy and those who sin. That is the result of people who live that lifestyle. And that's good news. You're like, well, why is that good news, Pastor? I'm not understanding why all that is good news. Because you have to see, Pastor, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes, and you're saying that the wages of sin is death. That means that is something that could happen to me. Why is that good news? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Redeem means to buy back to ransom, to rescue. So you see, all those curses that we just talked about and summarized has nothing to do with you. Why? The good news about Jesus. He rescued you. He ransomed you. He redeemed you from all of that. It has nothing to do with you. So when you read that chapter and you see something the curse of the law should be good news to you. So you know what? That has nothing to do with me. Why? Jesus ransomed you rescued you from it. How? Being made a curse for us. You have to think about this statement because one of the names of God in the Old Testament is the blessed one. The son of the blessed one became cursed so that you wouldn't have to be. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's me and you. 
through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus became cursed so we could not be cursed and we can be blessed. You see, Pastor, you don't know what that witch or that warlock said. Does not matter. You can't curse whom God has blessed. The only way that curse has power is if you believe it and start talking to yourself. The curse has nothing to do with you. It's the good news about Jesus. He became cursed so that you can be blessed. So Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, I want to read this to you. But now, Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. See, the old covenant had promises of healing, but a lot of it was conditional. But we have a new covenant based on better promises. So if you can get healed under the old covenant, you know you can get healed under the new covenant. Because this one is better. It is so much better. Covenant means a contract or an agreement. Both covenants had promises. Our new covenant has better promises, which include the good of the old, but even the better of the new. And so promises are under the old covenant, but there are also some benefits under the old covenant that I want to read you. Because you know if they got it, you know you got it. Psalm 68 verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us up with benefits, even the God of our salvation. So how often does God load you with benefits? Every single day. He daily loads you with benefits. He's like, oh, I think I ran out. Nope, it is still lasting because even on the next day, it's daily again. His mercies are new every morning. Pastor, you don't understand how much of a hot mess I was yesterday. His mercy endures forever, even on your worst days. You can't run out of God's benefits. What are some of those benefits? Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Anybody believe that God forgives all your iniquities, all your sins? Then you should believe the next part. Who heals all your diseases. All. All sin. All iniquities. All sickness. All diseases. It's your benefit package. It is what you get for serving God. It is part of your covenant. It is a better promise. All sickness, all disease, all pain, all infirmity, all in in injuries, all of it. Both covenants include healing. Jesus paid the price for you to be healed from any and every disease. Well, pastor, I know that's true for a lot of people, but does God, is it God's will for me to be healed? I know he wants some people to be healed. Well, let's go to Matthew 8, because somebody asked Jesus that question in Matthew chapter 8. Let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew chapter 8. Praise God. Verse 1. When he, Jesus, was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, or if you want to, you can make me clean or you can heal me. So this leper, outcast from society, not allowed to be around people, comes and worships, falls down at Jesus' feet. And when you look at the other gospel accounts, it says Jesus reached forth his hand and touched him. 
If he's at his feet, you can't really touch him. So what did Jesus do? He got down there with them, looked him in the eyes, probably gave him more attention than anyone had for decades. He said, I want to. I will. That's what another translation said. One translation says, I want to. Another one says, I will. Be clean. Be healed. So let this answer the will of God for all time. Does Jesus want to heal me? Yes. Is it his will that I be healed? Yes. If he would go down to get eye to eye with that leper and say, I want to. No, that's what he's saying to you today. I want to. Now, let's drive it home a little bit more. You see, there was a time when Jesus was preaching. And this woman came. And they, she was bowed over for 18 years, it says, with a spirit of infirmity. And as he's preaching, as he's teaching, we know this famous phrase, it says, loose her and let her go. And she was healed. For the first time in 18 years, she stood up straight. Right? How many know that's the story? But then there was a religious person, a Pharisee, who said, well, six days men should work. Come and be healed on those. But on the Sabbath, no one should heal. And Jesus looked at him, you hypocrite. If you would take your donkey or your camel or your dog, you would take them to water on the Sabbath and unloose them from what they're tied up to, you would do that on the Sabbath. How much more should this daughter of Abraham be healed and loosed on the Sabbath day whom Satan has bound these 18 years? He says, if you have enough sense in your head to loose your dog and get him something to drink on the Sabbath, don't you think God has enough sense to loose her whom Satan has bound these 18 years? Ought not this daughter of Abraham, it says in the King James, be healed. Notice why she should be healed. Not because she was a person of great faith or did a lot of great things. It says because she is the daughter of Abraham. Because of her birth, she ought to be healed. See, Galatians 3 says, if you be Christ, anybody belongs to Christ Jesus in here, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are a son or daughter of Abraham in here. And as far as Jesus is concerned, because of how you are born again, you ought to be healed and loosed on this day. That's what Jesus has to say about it. Now let me say a little bit more about the ministry of Jesus. Go to Luke chapter 4. So that's Jesus I want to heal you, and you ought to be healed. And Jesus came forth as the perfect will and expression of the Father. So you know how the Father feels about it. He wants you healed, and he thinks you ought to be healed. 
And so Luke 4, 16 says, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So a lot of us think, well, he went to the synagogue. That was a custom. Our custom, our habit should be going to church. Well, that is a good, good custom and habit to do, but that's not what it was talking about where Jesus was concerned. It was his custom and habit to go into the synagogue and read this passage of Scripture. So what you're reading here is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And it tells you this is what he did every city he went to. This was his opening text. Because one of the things Jesus was, he was an itinerant preacher. This is his opening text. He would find where it's written in the prophet Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And when he closes the book, he sits down, everybody's looking at him, says, this day is that scripture fulfilled in your ears. So what did Jesus do every place he went? His opening text was talking about the anointing that's on his life. Because Christ is not his last name. It's who he is. The word Christ means anointed one. So what he did, he's the anointed one, so he starts by preaching on the anointing. So that was Jesus' opening text, wherever he went at the beginning of his ministry, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. He would talk about the anointing that's on his life. And you might say, well, why does that matter? Luke 6, 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. The word virtue is the word for power we looked at earlier, which once again means miraculous force, miraculous power, the ability to do miracles. We call it the anointing. So there are times in Jesus' ministry where the anointing would just flow out of him. And if you could touch him, you'd be healed. People knew that. Why? Because Jesus went around preaching, I am anointed. Now, I remember Dad Hagen talking about in one of his uh, books, one of the things that God called him to do. Dad Hagen was one who trained our bishop for ministry, and our bishop was the one who trained me. And one of the things that Dad Hagen said that Jesus appeared to him and put his hands in his hands and said, I've anointed you to heal the sick. So he says, when you tell people that I have anointed you to heal the sick, if you can get them to believe it, you'll see more people healed. And so because he's the type of person he was, he didn't talk about it a lot. But the more he talked about it, the more manifestations of healing. So what he began to do, follow the model of Jesus, said, I am anointed to heal the sick. And as general believers, we are anointed to heal the sick, but there are special ministries. And part of that is something that I walk in. There is an anointing on my life to heal the sick. There is the word of God that's gone forth that brought faith to your heart. But there is an anointing that's flowing in this place. Anointings that God has put in my life through the ministry of Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin. And even as we talked about a couple months ago when Pastor Deborah was here from A.A. Allen, that tent revival anointing is working right now. What I'm doing, acknowledging it, because the more I acknowledge it, the more it increases. And so why is it important? Mark chapter 5 tells a very familiar story to a lot of us. There was a woman with an issue of blood. She's had this issue for 12 years. She obviously was a woman of means, but she spent all she had. And she didn't get on doctors. She didn't get better. She grew worse. Can you think of what ancient medicine was like and being experimented on and practiced on for years? 
and now you're not better, you are worse, and now you're broke, and because of this, you're not around people. People have shut you off. But then it said she heard of Jesus. She heard about Jesus. What did she hear about Jesus? Man, Jesus is healing the sick. She heard what Jesus would preach. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. And then she said something that might seem strange to some people. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment or the border of his garment, I will be made whole. You might say, well, why would she say something like that? Malachi 4, 2, it says, when the son of righteousness comes, he will have healing in his wings. It's not talking about feathers. The word wings means the border of a prayer shawl or the border of the garment. So growing up in synagogue, she heard that when the Messiah, the anointed one shows up, there will be healing in the border of his garment. And she heard Jesus anointed, Jesus anointed. And she heard the good news about Jesus, which is the power of God unto salvation, deliverance, preservation, and health and healing healing, she heard about it, and she believed it, and she began to say on a regular basis, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. She said that again and again and again to her faith moved her to action. Faith is not faith unless you say it and act upon it. And so she left her house in her weakened state, pressed her way through the crowd, something she was not even supposed to be at, pushed her way through the crowd, and grabbed a hold to the border of Jesus' garments. And Instantly, she was made whole. And Jesus turned around and looked because she slipped back through the crowd saying, who touched me? Like he's asking people, did you touch me? Did you touch me? Did you touch me? And this was Jesus. Everybody is touching you. You're in the middle of a crowd. What do you mean, bro? Who's touching you? But Jesus said there's a different touch because virtue went out of me. So let you know there's all these people touching Jesus, but there was a difference about the touch of faith. There was someone who touched him believing to receive something. And he said, virtue, that power, that anointing went out of me. I felt it leave my being. And then she came and told Jesus all the truth. What did she do? She gave the testimony. That's like we're asking you to do after experience today, right outside, give your testimony. And then Jesus says an interesting phrase, daughter, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Notice he didn't say, my power made you whole. Even though his power did the work. What did he credit the miracle to? her faith. She heard the good news about Jesus. She believed it in her heart. She said it with her mouth, and then she acted upon it to go receive her healing. He said, well, that was Jesus. That's 515, talking about the days of the early church, talking about Peter's ministry, that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and the couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. It wasn't the shadow doing the healing. It was the power or the virtue of God flowing out of Peter. And if you could get that three-foot radius of where shadow was, or how, depending where the light was, how far shadow was going. If you can get into that radius, you would be healed. If you could get into that radius, you would be made whole. You would be delivered. It was talking about the power that was flowing. So, well, that was Peter. Well, Paul, Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. 
And so what happened? There was power flowing out of Paul. And so people would bring handkerchiefs or aprons, and Paul would put his hands on them. And the power that was flowing out of him went into this cloth, and these cloths became storage batteries of the power of God. And these storage batteries, they would send to people all around modern-day Turkey. And if they touched it, they would be healed. If they touched it, they would be delivered because the power of God that flowed from that man of God into that cloth. You know, I was reading one commentary, and they said that cloth also applied to Paul's turban. That Paul, if he was making a tent, he would take his turban off and put it at his workshop. And people knew they could come and take off a piece of that and take it to someone they'd be healed. That's the equivalent of taking the Apostle Paul's do-rag and healing people. What? The power was flowing. There is a flow of power. There is a flow of the anointing. Why are you talking about that? Because so that anointing will increase. There have been times in my life that have been under such outflows of power. I remember one time I was preaching in Austin. I was preaching that Sunday, and the power was really strong. It got to a point, it just clicked. I was like, I'm out of time. I got one minute. And, you know, by then I think I was just a youth pastor, and so I didn't have the authority from Bishop to preach as long as I wanted to. Someone told me today, it's like, Pastor, you, you ignore the clock. because he better believe it. I just look at it and go the other direction. <laughs> and so at this time I knew I had one minute left. I have to close. And it just clicked. I said, you, come here. Boom, and the power of God will hit them. You, come here. Boom, and people were dropping all around the sanctuary. People were like, I had one guy who was a first-time guest. He came to me later and says, man, I've only seen that at TV. That was awesome. And so the power was just flowing in that way. And my wife and a good friend of ours went out to eat afterwards. And I was in the car, but the power was still flowing. To the point I had to tell my friend, I said, put your hands just like this under my hand. And they could feel the fire of God coming from my hand this far away. And my friend, you know, he needs a lot of prayer. He says, man, why can't you be this anointed all the time? I said, dude, really? <laughs> but the power was flowing. So much so that when I was looking at that same shirt I was wearing the day before and saying, no, I'm taking it clean. What am I going to do with it? I touched that shirt, and the power of God jumped into me. I like, I threw it. I was like, whoa. Why? That shirt had became a storage container for the anointing. There's times where it's happened here. A couple years ago, I was talking with someone about it yesterday. I was preaching on budgeting, of all things. And the Holy Ghost fell. And the fire of God was flowing out. To such a point, I'm trying to go home. I'm exhausted. I want to sleep. But the power is flowing. I went out from the office and said, bring me whatever you have. Let me lay hands on everything because it's flowing. Like I had t we had teenagers bringing hoodies. We had people, hey, I lay hands on wallet. I lay hands on checkbook, whatever. Let me hands on. The anointing is flowing. And then while it flows, you take advantage of your faith and you receive what God has for you. So there's different ways you can act in faith and minister the anointing. Mark 16, something we quote here often. Believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. What is the laying on of hands? It is a point of contact. It's a point where the person laying on the hands releases their faith, and the person receiving prayer releases their faith. Luke 17, 14, Jesus said, Go sow yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus told them to go do something, go act on what he already said to them. And as they went, they were healed. Someone came to Oral Roberts and said, well, you prayed for me and nothing, and nothing happened immediately. He said, oh, you're just winting. And he's like, what in the world does that mean? He says, don't you remember the lepers? They were healed as they went. 
See, when hands are laid, recovery starts at that moment. Some are instantaneous. Some take a little time, but the healing power is still working. So whether you see something immediate or you're like, well, it's a little bit better, but it's getting better as I keep moving. I have to keep moving because you're being healed as you go. The anointing is working through your body. Now, James 5 says, If there any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. No, it doesn't say the oil did it. It says the prayer of what? And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he, confitted, if he has committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we've been praying for people to be healed today. We prayed more on Friday night. So what we're we going to see, what the Bible said, people are about to be healed. You know, Acts chapter 3, it talks about the, uh, the beggar who was healed at the gate of beautiful. Jesus, Peter and John said, don't think it's by our own holiness, our own power we did this, but faith in the name of Jesus made this man strong. Notice, it was faith in the name. Faith went into the authority of Jesus, brought out healing and manifested in his body. See, when we lay hands on you, we're laying hands on you in the authority and the name of Jesus. And that healing that is in the name, that healing that's in the word, that healing that's in this house, that healing that's on the anointing that God's put on my life is going to flow into your body and cause a healing and a cure. That is what we're about to experience. You see, in Acts 14, Paul is preaching the gospel the good news about Jesus, which is the power of God unto salvation, preservation, deliverance, and healing, and health. And as he was preaching, what it says, Paul saw this man who had faith to be healed. And he said to him, because he had faith to be healed, get up. And what happened? That man was healed and made whole. And so that's what we're about to do in just a few moments. Because I'm believing for the testimony. We looked at Luke 6:19 already. We're going to read the latter part of the verse. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him. And he, Jesus, healed them all. What's our testimony about Miracle Sunday? Jesus healed them all. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. If he healed them all in Bible days, don't you know, in today, 2020, he can still heal them all. Amen? So what are we going to do before we go forward? We're just going to make sure people are saved. Amen? So with every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer, we want to move in a walk unless I've assigned you to do so. We want to give this altar call for these two specific things. If you're in here and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, Never ask them to come in your heart. There is a heaven, there is a hell. God doesn't want people to go to hell, but he won't make you go to heaven. It's not your sins that send you to hell, and it's not your good things that get you to heaven. There's only one thing that gets people into heaven, that's receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, making that decision to follow him. There's only one thing that sends people to hell, that's rejecting Jesus. And not making a decision for him is the same as rejecting him. So if you're in here today, You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never asked him to come into your heart. You haven't made heaven your home, but you want to today. Lift your hand high where I can see it. I'll pray with you right now. If you never made that decision, lift your hand high where I can see it. Or you're in here and say, well, that's part of the same decision. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want to know for sure today. The Bible says these things are written that you may know and be sure that you have eternal life. 
If you don't know for sure, but you want to know for sure, lift your hand high where I can see it. We'll pray with and for you, and you will be healed today. You will be sure today. Or last but not least, that I'm saved, but I haven't been living for God. I need to come back to God. Will he take me back? Yes, he will. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you need to come back home to God or rededicate your life or recommit your life, it's also called. Lift your hand. We'll pray with and for you. He'll take you back. I see that hand. Praise God. Anyone else? Lift your hand high. Now, what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray this prayer corporately. Whether you're watching online or Faith Plus or you're in here and you're praying this prayer for the first time, meet it from the bottom of your heart. And when you pray, you'll be saved. If you're far away from God, you'll come back to God. So everyone repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. Father, I pray for those who pray that prayer that you strengthen the inside. They won't get tired of doing the right thing. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. Satan, they don't belong to you. They belong to Lord Jesus. Father, I pray this around them good and godly friends that you manifest yourself in their life and help them live this Christian life. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. If you're interested in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I encourage you to talk to one of my ministers afterwards. They'll pray with you and you'll be filled before you leave. If you want to join this church, on the first Sunday of the month, we have what we call a You Matter class. You can go to that class and we'll give you all the information right after our second experience. You can be a part of what God's doing here at Faith. We're going to receive today's tithes and offering, and then we're going to lay hands on the sick. Amen. So if you need an offering envelope to assist with the giving, you can lift your hands. Us, your hostess, will be glad to serve you with one. If you need an offering, I will to assist with the giving. You can lift your hands. Us, your hosts, will be glad to serve you with one. If you're watching online and you want to give online, you can do so at FCCGA.com. Or if you want to give via text, you can text FCCGA to 73256. That's FCCGA to 73256. If you want to give via check, you can make it payable to Faith Christian Center. If you give them via credit card or debit card, read the envelope, sign the appropriate portion, put the amount in the box above, as well as give your telephone number, just in case we need to reach you. Of course, all gifts to faith are tax deductible. Whether you're giving online or via text or via envelope, you'll see the different places where you can mark your designation. See spot for tithe and offering. If the Lord is moving on your heart to give above tithe and offering, you see spots for benevolence, see spots for building fund and missions and media and gift for as God moves upon your heart. We know we talked about last week about expanding. We're going to do more works throughout Georgia and surrounding region like we started with Marietta last week. We talked about extending some of the mission work we're going to do this year as well as enhancing, uh, increasing what we do here and taking our building to the next level. Hallelujah. Speaking of take, uh, working on our building, some of you were on the Kids World side and you saw some construction things that we're going to do. We have some work we're doing this week. It'll be done by Wednesday or Thursday. Just want to let you know if you had saw that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of you look like you need more time. So I'm going to tell the story that R.W. Schombach told. You know, somehow many of you are familiar with the ministry R.W. Schombach. He learned from A.A. Allen. He was A.A. Allen's assistant pastor. And so he talked about when he traveled with them under the great healing tent. He said the greatest miracle he ever saw. He said there was this boy who had 26 diseases. And all of them were life-threatening. He was not supposed to make it past two, but he was four. And their diseases were so extensive that they think he didn't even have feet. His eyes were just cloudy, milky. 
His tongue hung out of his mouth. He couldn't hear. There was a list goes on and on and on. And this mother, I believe either with her sister or grandmother, took this boy to the the meeting. She's already gone to the doctor's office. The doctors couldn't do anything. They didn't even expect him to still be alive. And so, you know, she had paid her doctor's bill and she drove across state lines. And it was a long time ago, but she spent a lot what she had on gas and she rented a hotel for that week. And she paid the hotel bill and had breakfast, lunch, and dinner all throughout the day. And she was waiting for Brother Allen to call out what was going on or lay hands on him. And it was getting down to the last day and this woman went up to R.W. Schombach and said, you know, I need the man of God to pray for my baby. I have to leave tomorrow. I have to get back. You know, I've spent, you know, all I have. I only have $20 left, but I have to use that $20 to put gas in my tank and get back home. And so he had promised her, if he doesn't lay hands on the last night, I will personally take you back to his trailer. He'll lay hands on your baby. And so one of the things with A.A. Allen, he would flow in different revelation gifts. And so he gets up there to preach, but he did something different that he normally doesn't do. He took the offering up before he preached the message. He never usually did that. And so he did that. You know, the offering was coming. And Schombach says, I saw this woman run up to the altar and throw something down. And he says, I'm nosy. So I was watching. He says, she gave, he, she gave her last $20. And so it's like, oh, God, you got to do something for this woman today. And so when A. Allen began to preach, all of a sudden he was taken away in the spirit. And he says, I'm heading to this white building. It's a hospital. I'm in the hospital now. I'm in the maternity ward. There are babies being born. But this baby, there's something wrong with that baby. There is one, no, 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 14, 26 different diseases going on with this child. And they don't expect him to live. But this baby lived. I see him in a car driving across the state line. I see that car pulling up the parking lot. That child is here tonight. Mama, bring your baby here. And this woman rushes to the altar with the baby in her hands. And A. A. Allen, the man of God, prays for that baby. And all of a sudden, his tongue snaps into place. His arms have been not what they're supposed to be, and so they began to crackle and become what they're supposed to be. His eyes that were milky and cloudy colors began to swirl and became brown. And then R.W. Schombach says, no one told me about this. I was watching this. He says, I saw feet grow out. I saw toes grow out. His ears popped open. The man of God put him down on the ground, and he ran to his mom saying, Mama, Mama, the first words he had spoken in four years. And you might think, whoa, that's a big miracle. But as soon as that happened, everybody who was in a wheelchair jumped up healed. And as soon as that happened, everybody who was in stretchers, because they brought people in stretchers, jumped up healed. And Sean Buck said, it was the first time I've ever saw everybody in the building healed at one miracle. Because you know, if all that happens, church is over, there's nothing more you can do. People are shouting and rejoicing, it's just done. And so afterwards, this woman who had her son healed, she still has to get back home. But this little old woman came up to her and gave her a Pentecostal handshake. What is that? You know, when there's some money in between the palms. And said, I'm just so glad for what God did for you and your baby. And so she looked at it and it's like, wow. But then she looked up, there's a line of people standing to bless her. To the point that her purse couldn't hold it. She goes back to 
the restroom to count, and she sends this later to Schombach later, and says, it was everything I had spent at all meals, hotels, the doctor's bill, and the gas to get there and go back, plus some. And she ended her letter, this testimony, saying, you can't beat God-given no matter how hard you try. So why am I saying this testimony on Miracle Sunday? Giving can spur miracles. So as we give right now, set your faith for whatever you're about to receive. Whether you're in this building or watching online, y'all ready to release your faith as you give? Let's lift your offering or your offering envelope or your phone. If you're giving online or via text like I am, let's present our gifts to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We present our tithe, our offering, our seed to you. We ask that you use it and cause all the needs of this ministry met with abundance beside. We say as individuals, as families, as a church, we have more than enough. As a ministry, we have more than enough to expand to our 14 plus locations. We have more than enough to enhance, expand, and extend and do all the things you've called us to do. We receive our harvest. Angels go forth, bring more of it unto us. Say to you, restrain from interfering with our harvest. We receive more the blessing. God it is. Concepts and insights. The power of God is working in our bodies. It's working in our families. It's working in our finances. It's working in our lives. And we receive it, Father. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Ushers, you may receive the offering. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory to God. As they receive the offering, I want you to repeat these things after me. Say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Sickness and disease have no power over me. I am forgiven and free from sin and guilt. I am dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. I am free from unforgiveness and strife. I forgive others as Christ has forgiven me. For the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Jesus bore my sins in his body on the tree. Therefore, I am dead to sin and alive unto God. And by his stripes, I am healed and made whole. Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. Therefore, I give no place to sickness or pain, for God sent his word and healed me. Father, because of your word, I am an overcomer. I overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. You have given me abundant life. I receive that life through your word. And it flows to every organ of my body, bringing healing and health. Heavenly Father, I attend to your word. I incline my ears to your sayings. I will not let them depart from my eyes. I will keep them in the midst of my heart, for they are life and healing to all my flesh. I receive my healing. Now stand to your feet. Say, my immune system grows stronger day by day. I speak life to my immune system. I forbid confusion 
in my immune system. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my immune system with the life and wisdom of God, which guards my life and health. Now let's stretch our hands right now and believe for healing for anybody who's watching online. Right now, be healed in the name of Jesus. We release the life of God. You're being healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And as it manifests in your body, write us and give us the testimony of what God is doing in your life. Congregation, say, body, I speak the word of faith to you. I demand that every internal organ perform a perfect work. For you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the authority of his holy word to be thanks for watching today we hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life hey if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at faith you know our vision statement is to ignite awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus and we'd love for you to be a part you can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to fccga.com if you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.